Hello again and welcome to In Taiwan We Speak, your audio guide to Taiwan's mind-blowing linguistic diversity. I am Alexander Shin and today we continue our conversation with Lius Kulivu, a professional English Mandarin translator and a Taiwan activist. Now, UNESCO Atlas of the World's Languages in Danger classifies Taiwan as an endangered and vulnerable language. Lius, the status of a vulnerable language, well, it might not be as bad as, let's say, extinct, as it's happened to many languages in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, do you yourself worry about the future of Paiwan language? I worry very much if it goes obsolete and then Paiwan worldview you know, ceases to exist. That with the language, the, the worldview of will Paiwan. disappear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The rituals disappear. And the, the, even in Paiwan language, we have diff, different Paiwan language. The Paiwan language we, we, we listen to is an everyday language. But in ritual, we have a ritualized Paiwan language. If oh. no one is speaking that, using that, or passing down the language, and then no, mm. no language. Do you think that might actually happen? It might actually happen. I think so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's quite sad, but I think there are some efforts doing that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some, some people from different backgrounds, like, for example, church, they have buy one Bible. Mm. And and also um, some government's efforts into, you know, putting money in, in into like saving the language and also some young people are taking up the role to be an, a shaman. Mm. In the community. Yeah, in the community, and they have to learn by one language. Speaking of vulnerability, mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the main problems that prevent Taiwan from uh, going? from vulnerable to being a safe language? One is some by one consciousness, like people people who move to the cities, like in their 60s, 70s. They are like young people, right? At that time, they move to, to cities and they have their kids raised in the cities and everything is like predominantly um, Mandarin. But in their school, there's no indigenous language lessons even if they have they are not taught as seriously as mathematics and english or chinese yeah so i think that's one of the main problems we have is our education system that really don't pay attention to having more by one or indigenous languages classes in the cities in the city around everywhere. On, on island yeah and everywhere yeah mm. yeah i think that's one of the main problems yeah so even in the traditional communities like Tvetskata, mm -hmm. you don't really have quality education for Paiwan language. We have quality of Paiwan teachers, but not enough hours. We, when I was a mm. kid, I was having only two hours of Paiwan languages a, a week, where I have Chinese, like eight hours, and mathematics eight hours. Two hours of Paiwan language a week. Mm -hmm. Where does it get a kid in speaking Paiwan? Not really. It doesn't really get you anywhere. It doesn't get anyway. So at the, at the time when I was a kid, that was in the time people are developing the writing system of, mm. of Paiwan language. And then uh, people are using like a Bupamofa to document Paiwan language. 
the the Mandarin system. The Mandarin right? system, and they do have a buy one Bible out of the Purple Mover, but people are also developing using like Roman alphabet. So right now we are using Roman alphabet, but even we're using Roman alphabet. The writing is not standardized. Mm. Originally, we don't have a re- re- like a writing system. Mm. Yeah, so we we try to figure out how to better preserve and document by one languages. And this one of the uh, issue too. There's still no written standard for writing by one language. No. So basically, every community just uses their own standard. Yeah, you use your own standards with Roman alphabet. Mm. Yes. I would assume that without a written standard, it would be very difficult to actually promote education. It is. Yeah. So I think people. I think there are some like internal politics into who set the standard. Right now, I think the predominant one will be Gulalao. Gulalao uh, dialect will make more sense because Gulalao has preserved all the KQ that are silenting other communities. Oh. Yeah. Everything they pronounced so far as I know. Yeah, the Gulalao uh, dialect, mm. and also the population, like you know, uh, pe- descendants of Gulalaos are quite quite a big population. Mm. Yeah. Is that your dialect? No, it's not my dialect. But my dialect is closer to 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 that dialect. Oh, I see. Yeah, we're the central by one. <laughs> mm. And what is being done in your community? In uh, Taiwan areas, but also in Taiwan in general, uh, to preserve Taiwan language. What's being done is that the Council of Indigenous People they have set up Indigenous Language Foundation, okay, and that foundation is responsible of having Indigenous language proficiency test. With that, if you pass some certain level, and you can get some like incentives. Mm. If you want to be a civil servant as an indigenous person, you have to have a uh, proficiency test passed to to have the job. Mm. And yeah, it's kind of incentive and like kind of like affirmative actions from the government. And it's also something that uh, the government has like spent some money on having like one language promoter in a, a, a township. Yeah, and working with church and uh, to document the languages, yes. What does a language promoter do? What I know is like all the uh, document, official documents that a promoter have to translate. Into this local language? Into Baiwan, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. There are also indigenous languages teachers at schools, yeah. Mm. And there's a f- funding that, that, that is called like indigenous language babysitter. Mm. Basically, government will pay your grandma to take care of the kids and is speaking only Bama language. There's also a policy that you can apply for and they got some funding. Anyone can get it. I mean, if you're from a Taiwan background. And not just Taiwan, indigenous background. Right. And I know there's also an efforts, a training program to train this Taiwan speakers or indigenous language speakers to train them to be an interpreter. Teach them some, some like, you know, techniques to be an interpreter. Yeah. And do you feel like the action that's being taken, the laws that being mm-hmm. adopted, is this enough to I, save Taiwan? I don't think this is enough. I think we also have to be more proactive in doing that because we're so used to speaking, you know, like predominant language because that's the first language of many people right now. But uh, 
people need to have this consciousness of of the of the language of Baiwan needing to be you know passed down or documented. Yes, we have to also work hard on that too. Mm. Yeah, on our end. You mentioned once that you wrote your master's thesis and did your research on urban indigenous people. Yeah. Could you tell us more about that? So my master's thesis is trying to answer the question: What does being indigenous person mean for an urban indigenous uh, youth? And it talked about why those young people would like to return to their homeland, from their from cities, and the intention. And their identity really changes depending on where they are. There are urban indigenous youth, meaning that they are educated outside of Juskatan. So people of their age, it's Mandarin where they speak, right, in in the city. But in Juskatan, people in my around my age, they can somehow speak some Baiwan language, and mm. some mem- and then they go to the same school together. So the kind of different social groups. But those urban indigenous youth. Their families are from Juskan. They want to go back to get to know more about their community and to get to learn. And some urban youth are chief family, so they need to go back to to continue their duty and to be chief. So they have to do something. Yeah. So basically, everyone has different identity, right? But the identity changes when they are in Juskan. They think they are Juskan. They are not. Other communities, because in New Jersey, we have also other different Taiwan people from different old settlements that came to live with us. And when they're in the city, they think they are Taiwan. They don't think they are really indigenous, just Taiwan. Yeah. And then uh, when they are abroad, they think they are Taiwanese indigenous.、Mm. Yeah. So the, the identity changes, and for them, indigenous status is always with them. No, no matter where they go, but they 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 respond to it differently. So even in the cities,、mm-hmm. the Paiwan youth would、mm-hmm. still identify as indigenous. Yeah, they would think they're Paiwan. Yeah,、mm. yeah. And speaking about going back to the community,、uh-huh. is that happening a lot among the young Paiwan? Not, not not really. It depend it depends on your homeland. If your homeland is quite Not too far from the city where you can, you know, work. Then you go back, or some people just leave in the homeland and、uh, commute between their work.、Oh. But for some Taiwan community, for example, in the east coast, it's quite far to to go to their, you know, office and work. So people decided to move to the city and then buy house in the cities or just move for Taipei. Yeah, but in Pingtung, the the situation is relatively. Better we st- we we still have population outflow, but the pace is not as severe as、uh, in the eastern Taiwan. Mm. Mm. I know that you actively participate in various international conferences and activities representing both Taiwan and Taiwan in general. And you mentioned that earlier this year you traveled to Guam、yeah. for the International Indigenous Youth Forum that was organized by Taiwan's. Council of Indigenous Peoples. Yes. Could you tell us more about this work of yours and about the international efforts to preserve Austronesian languages? So first of all, I went along with other indigenous、uh, students and also young people from Austronesian area, and 
language-wise, it's very interesting that I, that I, when I when when I came to Guam, Chamorro is the language and also the people. A lot of things that is so similar with Baiwan. For example, in Baiwan language, when we say people, we say Zhao Zhao, and they say Tao Tao. In Chamorro. In Chamorro. And then we say chests or breasts, we say Dudu, and they say Susu. Mm. And then when we say sun, we say Gadao or Adao, and they say Adao. And a home, house, we say Guma, and they say Guma. Yeah, Lima means five and they also say lima as five that's interesting this is very interesting so, so this is what i learned and then also the the, the efforts they're doing is that we visit one school the, the school is about to teach kids from from like three year old or four until like 12. everything taught is in tomorrow and no english was spoken especially for the younger generation like this young kids like preschool kids when we visited there, the teacher said, don't speak anything, don't speak in English. I don't want them to hear English so they can get used to tomorrow's sound. Mm. And every subject in tomorrow, and that is, for me, is mind-blowing because this should be something I should have or my parents should have had. I think Taiwan can go and take reference from Guam. Are there any current efforts to bring this practice to Taiwan? So far, I don't see uh, concrete efforts. Because if if that's going to be in Taiwan, the Ministry of Education will get involved in this. And the Taiwanese government is quite slow on that. In Taiwan, public school or private school system is very standardized, everything. Yeah, so I think you will need some time to do it, but, but I think it is needed. Mm. Yeah, very much. Well, let's hope that it happens sometime soon. Yeah. And on that rather hopeful note, we've arrived at the end of our conversation with Lius Kulivu, a professional English Mandarin translator and a Paiwan activist. Now, Lius, thank you so much for this super interesting conversation and for your time with us. Thank you. And dear listeners, thank you for being with us. If you've enjoyed this and past episodes about the Paiwan language, then please share them with your friends and give us some boost on social media. And of course, don't forget to come back for our next guest, with whom we'll be unpacking another one of Taiwan's fascinating languages. Which one? Join us to find out. Once again, this was In Taiwan We Speak, your audio guide to Taiwan's mind-blowing linguistic diversity. This was Oleg, and see you next week.